so faithful, faithful to all of your promises, great God. And so now as we come and open your word together, we open our hearts to you now and pray, Lord God, that we receive what you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, I would love it if you could make our founding pastor, Pastor Peter, really welcome as he comes to bring God's Word to us this morning. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Church. Lovely to be here this morning. Aren't we thankful for ears? Come on, aren't we thankful? Look, these wouldn't stay up. I wouldn't have a microphone on. Glasses couldn't sit on your head. Um, what else could happen? I know there's hearing as well. Throw that in as well. But um, it's just God's a great designer. Um, what a blessing He is to us. Well, well, what a big news week this turned out to be for us as a city. Brizzy. What was the answer? Yes, we're getting the Olympics are coming to Brizzy. All you sports lovers, excited? Yes. Oh, oh no, not many here by the sounds of it. Yeah, there's a few sports um, people, that's good to know. Others of us, of course, are just working out whether we're going to still be alive in 11 years' time <laughs> to work out whether we'll actually be able to go there or not or whether we'll be looking down from heaven, I suppose, uh, on how things are going in Brizzy City. It's big news uh, for us and it certainly will have a big impact on our city. The answer to certain questions um, can have a very significant impact on our lives. This one, um, and maybe there is something about this this morning. Will I start my child in training for the 2032 Olympics? We've already got an Olympian already in this church here, I know, but maybe we'll get some more. That'd be good. What about this one? Do you take this woman, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband or wife? Mm, that has big ramifications, for better or for worse, as the case may be. Marie's answer, this morning in her baptism, did you hear it? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? And she says, oh, I do. That has had a huge impact on her life now and for eternity, in fact, eternity. I want you to think for a few moments about the questions that you have answered that have significantly impacted your life. Because we've finally, finally arrived in our gospel in Mark to the passage which contains the verse from which we took the title to this series. Who do you say I am? And we find the context for this question in the passage that I'm gonna read right now. So are you ready? Here we are, we've finally arrived at this particular point. It says this, Jesus and his disciples went on, to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. God's word to us this morning. Well, part of God's word to us. We're gonna read some more in a moment. This interaction here, it began with a question from Jesus about what the general populace thought about him. And the disciples responded with some of the big ones that they were talking about, Elijah. And it was just, it was mainly about prophets. That's what they were really thinking that Jesus was. A description, however, that was obviously inadequate because there's no affirmation from Jesus about any of those ones they're reeling off. And so Jesus goes on to ask, who do you say I am? And then Peter steps forward, spokesman for the disciples, and he responds with one of the big, big answers of Peter's life. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the Christ. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it's accompanied with a further description, the Son of the living God. Peter is expressing here that Jesus is the long promised King that Israel was waiting for. Sent by God to liberate and reign over His people and reign over the world. It was a pivotal moment actually in Mark's Gospel account here as the evidence of Jesus' life and His ministry pointed to his identity as no ordinary man, not just a holy man, not just a prophet, but actually the son of God in human flesh. Now, let me ask you this morning, is that who you believe Jesus to be? Same with those that are online this morning. Is that who you believe Jesus to be? 
You can see the enormous significance of this question for every one of us because if the historical Jesus, the man who lived on planet earth in the early ADs is God in human flesh, then you can't actually get any bigger news than that during your entire life. Did you know that? That that is the big news on your journey. The creator, the sustainer of this world has come to earth in the form of human being. It's mind blowing actually, when you think about that for a while, think about that, it's mind blowing. You can actually understand some people who, who dismiss that sort of belief. But hear this this morning, when you said about studying the evidence about the identity of Jesus of Nazareth, then it actually becomes a lot, lot harder to dismiss the description of Jesus than you may think. Jesus is an amazingly unique person as the first eight chapters of Mark have revealed as we've been studying there, as in fact do the second eight chapters of the book of Mark, as do all the other gospels. They're so mighty, the gospels, revealing to us who Jesus is. Listen to just some of the things Jesus said about himself and some of the things that the disciples saw him do. Are you ready? I've got a little list here. This one from the opening chapter, Mark 1, 27. He had Jesus authority over demonic spirits. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Mark 1, 41. He had the capacity to heal those who were sick and diseased. He reached out his hand, touched the man. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Mark 2, 5. This is a biggie. He pronounced forgiveness of people's sins. Who does that? Who makes those sort of pronouncements? Have you made one of those? It said this, it says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. This one, Mark 2, 8. He's Lord of the Sabbath, the day of rest in Jewish life. I'm Lord of that. It's like him saying, I'm Lord of Australia, Australia Day. You know, that's the sort of statement that they're making here. Who, who makes those sort of comments? What about this one, Mark 4, 39? He controls the natural elements. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Mark 5, 41, raises dead people to life. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Get up, he said. Mark 6, 41, 44, he, he, he multiplied food few loaves, a couple of fishes, multiplied that and thousands of people were fed. Thousands were fed. What about this one, Mark 6, 49? And this is the big one, of course, we often get this one, often said in derision sometimes, of course. He walks on water. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Now, all these claims, all these actions and a whole, a whole lot more are incredible. I know they are. They are incredible. But think about this. They are actually reasonable and consistent for someone who is claiming to be divine, someone who's claiming to be God in human flesh. And if you head to the end of Mark for just a moment, you will see in Mark 14, 61, 62, Jesus actually claimed that in no uncertain terms that he was God in human flesh. Listen to this. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, I am, said Jesus. And to add to that, he went on to say, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why? He says, why do we need any more witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. He was a man, human flesh, claiming to be God. That's why they crucified him, of course. Now, there've been many, many reactions to Jesus' claim to be divine, both in the Bible accounts and in the thousands of years that have followed. Well, 2,000 years that have followed. As we've just read, these are some of the reactions. The religious leaders considered his claim to be blasphemous. Jesus making out that he was God. In Mark 3, 21, 
we read that his own family thought he was what? Crazy. That's what their assessment was of him. In Mark 3.22, the religious leaders charged that he was being empowered by satanic powers. We'll go to the dark side. That's where, that's, that's where it's coming from. And in Mark 6.3, the home crowd, the hometown crowd thought he was just an ordinary man, a carpenter's son, another boy from a, lo- from a local family. But one of the great blessings you see of actually living in this period of time right now, this is a real blessing for you and for me, is that the past 2,000 years of world history have not diminished the claim of Jesus Christ. In fact, the next 2,000 years have added weight and gravity to this claim. Listen, a crazy man, does that stack up with someone who is now recognised as the greatest person who's ever lived on planet Earth? What about this one? A man motivated and empowered by evil whose life has inspired and empowered those who have stopped the slave trade, protested and and, and worked against racial segregation, who have led in the world's development of education and medical care for the masses and so much more. Is that coming from the darkness? An ordinary man? Is that a good description when 2,000 years later, people stand in baptismal pools and say, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. Wow, people impacted right now by Jesus, an ordinary man, a man regarded as a blasphemer who is now worshipped by millions and millions of people around the world. If you have ever wondered about the Christian faith, Ever wondered if all that you believe is true? That's ever gone through your mind? Well, here this morning, hear this. The historical records of Jesus' life in the gospel, read those and then you try and explain who this man is unless he is indeed the son of the living God. Jesus is extraordinary, folks extraordinary. He's different to any other human being who has ever walked on planet earth, even the most noble and greatest of men and women. When you hear the question that Jesus asked his disciples, rest assured that to answer with the words, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God is an answer that is founded on evidence that is so credible and so weighty. Just know that this morning. Now, if you are someone who was able to answer that way, I just want you to know how incredibly blessed you are. Just think about this for a moment. Because without the help of God himself, no one can actually come to that conclusion. Did you know that? In Matthew's account of this interaction, Jesus replied with this assessment of Peter's conclusion. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Now, whether you've come to know this truth, who Jesus is, that's what I'm talking about, as a child or a teenager or an adult, you should actually give thanks right now. I hope, I trust that you are. You know, when you you hear sermons, you're meant to be responding in the middle of all of this, in your heart, to the things that are being said. I pray that you're giving thanks to God for His amazing grace and kindness to you that He would enable you to understand who Jesus Christ is, God the Son in human flesh. It's a supernatural revelation. If you know this truth this morning, it's supernatural in your very life. To have that truth grip your mind and heart. And it's the foundational truth that one needs to understand in coming to know and love and have a relationship with the living God. That's the foundation to know that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Now, if you're here this morning or you are watching this online, And you're wondering, well, I'm not quite so sure about all of that. Um, Could this man really be God the Son in human flesh? Well, I want to invite you this morning to begin a search, if that's the question you're asking. To begin a search. Read the Gospel of Mark. And then also do this, humbly ask God to say, 
if Jesus is who he is, then God, please reveal that to me. Do that. God's interested, you know. God promises that he, if we seek him, we will find him. So hear that some this morning. If that's where you're at on the journey. Now, you would think after such a proclamation that Peter has made, this huge, huge proclamation, it's such a high point in the Gospel of Mark that it would be onwards and upwards for the disciples. Wow, they're really getting a hold of things here. But while Peter's understanding about Jesus was right, he was the Messiah, Peter had this different understanding, expectation, what he believed God's anointed deliverer would be setting out to do. And that's why it's so interesting what Jesus says next. As Jesus begins to set out what he as the Messiah would do. Listen to it. More of God's word to us this morning. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed. And after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. This is the first of three times Jesus predicts his arrest and his crucifixion and his resurrection in the Gospel of Mark. This was to be Jesus' mission as the Messiah. Hear it? It was to be one of rejection. It was to be one of suffering. It was to be one of death. Now, now how could that route make everything right in our world? How could evil be defeated by by suffering and dying? Peter, at this particular point, he did not understand that Jesus, God's Messiah, had come to deal with humanity's fundamental problem. Peter was thinking he's come to get rid of the Romans for us. Jesus has come to get rid of what for all of us? He's come to get rid of sin for all of us, to deal with sin. And the only way that this could be overcome along with the consequences of sin, death, to deal with death. And every dark power was through his sacrificial death at the cross. But for Peter, there's no dying in his understanding of the Messiah at this particular point. His Messiah was a king who was gonna come and destroy all the enemies of Israel and begin a brand new era for the people of God. He'd gather people, you know, God's people from all the four corners of the world of the world, and they'd make Jerusalem and they'd make Palestine the centre of the world and establish this perfect reign with the Messiah reigning over all things. That's Peter's mindset at the moment. Jesus laying down his life plan, it did not make any sense to Peter at all. And so we read these words. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. The language is really strong here that Peter uses towards Jesus. He's indicating to Jesus, that's not gonna happen, what you're talking about, Jesus. Not on my watch, it's not. That's what he's really saying. He won't let Jesus die at the hands of Jerusalem's leadership. It sounds so heroic, doesn't it? It sounds so well-intentioned. But listen to Jesus' explosive reply to this. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked, strong word again, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, what went wrong, folks, in such a a very short space of time? What went wrong here? Well-meaning though Peter's words were, something was gravely wrong in his attitude, actually. There's something fundamentally wrong here. He had just confessed Jesus as the Christ, this great statement, the son of the living God. But now he is advising Jesus, God in human flesh, about what he should or shouldn't do. This is Peter. I'm gonna give some advice to the one who's come as the Messiah. Whatever the motivation, Peter was way, way off beam here because Jesus recognised it both as humanly focused thinking, that sort of of talk, and also an attempt by Satan to again divert him from the mission to die for the sins of the world. It's the old enemy, the one he had met in the wilderness, 
the old enemy in a new and even more dangerous form because well-meaning friends who want us to be comfortable can become voices of darkness, not light. Did you know that? Did you know that? In fact, someone needs to just note that this morning. Someone needs to note that. I had that burden in my heart when I prepared this. There's a really interesting pattern that's found in Scripture and I've noticed it in my own life too as well. That we are prone to be at our worst for God when we feel we are at our best for God. Did you know that? Did you get that? We're at our worst for God when we're thinking we're our best for God. We start thinking that we understand how God's kingdoms work. You know, I've got got some great insights. We know what to do and what should take place and we assume that we know what God wants for others. But hear this, just because we have rightly discerned truths from heaven in the past does not mean that we can't yet be an instrument of darkness. Did you know that? We need to be cautious, folks, on our journey. And even in the moments, those high points, be careful. In fact, be more careful in the moments that are high points. And here we see a godly rebuke that that follows. Thank God for the rebuke. Thank God for the rebuke. So after Jesus here rejects Peter's challenge to his divine calling to embrace the cross, Jesus then takes this opportunity to teach that not only is the call to die, to, to suffer and to die his call, but it's also the call of those who are called to follow Jesus. Listen to this. These are strong words, church, for us this morning. I want you to hear them. Those online, listen to them. Mark 8, 34, 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. This is for everyone. This is for everyone, not just the disciples here. It's for everyone, crowd as well. And said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Verse 38, hear this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The Gospels are so confronting, folks. They really are. The words of Jesus, powerful. This too is God's Word to us this morning. If you wanna belong to Jesus, just hear this this morning. If you wanna belong to Jesus, It means you must be willing to die for him. Did you know that? Followers of Jesus, we are called to die for him. I remember watching the movie about the Apostle Paul's life. I don't know if you've seen it. It's quite a powerful movie actually. But one of the most confronting scenes to me was to see Christians put up on crosses and then being set alight to light the streets of Rome. And that's based on history. Actually, and it makes you think: Would would I be willing? Would would I be willing to endure such suffering for Christ? Um, we've talked about the letters we, we, we've been writing to Christian brothers and sisters throughout the world who have been imprisoned in prison today, in prison today, because they wanted to honour Jesus Christ. And you think to yourself, well, I I can write a letter, that's wonderful, but would I be willing to go to jail for him? Would I, would I, would I? That's the calling Jesus makes for all who follow him. Do you know that? It's true. That's the calling. It's that bigger calling. If you're wondering how people find the courage and the strength to go to these places, it's because Jesus is with them. He is. He's, he's, he's such a blessing. He's so strong. He's so mighty. But it's also because these people have practiced the life that Jesus calls us to engage in every day of our lives 
to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Him. So they're practised in this. So when the moment of test come, they stand firm and strong because that's the life they've been living. And let me explain for a moment what Jesus is not meaning here. To deny yourself is not adopting some self-inflicted suffering for Christ. Um, denying yourself the good gifts of God in, the, in this world, setting up a list of things that you're going to do to show what a sacrificial follower you are of Jesus Christ. That only birth spiritual superiority, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, a lack of appreciation of God's blessings. It's the Pharisaic life. That's that life. And it's certainly not what Jesus has called us to live. That is not what we're talking about here. Remember, Jesus himself was criticised for what? Having parties with sinners. Having parties. Self-denial, it is not a list we develop to show our loyalty to Jesus. Jesus isn't looking for the denial of things to ourselves, but rather the denial of self itself. It's denial of self. It's every day that we wake up on planet Earth, we open ourselves up to God's initiative, God's control of our lives. Self-denial will actually take many, many um, shapes for us and mean um, different things for different people. Let me just throw a few out there of what it can look like. Motivated by love for God and, and love for our world. For some, it might mean leaving jobs and family. It did for Jesus' disciples. It couldn't mean that for you, for me, to go somewhere else. For the proud, hear this, it means renouncing the desire for status and honour. The things that are so important in this world, things often relating to our jobs. For the greedy, those who seek wealth, it means renouncing that appetite for wealth. Why? This is motivated from a love for God and, and a love for others. It's not about me, you see. For the complacent, the complacent, there's a renouncing of the love of the easy life or the comfortable life. The faint-hearted, hear this some, someone, the faint-hearted, it's the abandonment of the cravings for security and for the approval of others. Hear that? For the angry, you know, those that have that struggle, often it's to repudiate the desire for revenge, folks. This is what we're talking about. It's a love for others. Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them as they're doing those very things to him. German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer defines self-denial in this way. Listen, to deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. To see only Him who goes before and no more the road which is too hard for us. It's, see, it's, it's about having our eyes on Him. Once more, all that self-denial can say is He leads the way Keep close to Him. Is that you this morning? Is this the denial with, that you're living out, that self-denial you're living out? When we, when we follow Jesus in this way, when we, we put His will above our own and everyone else's will, I want to add in too, then like Christ, you will begin to experience some of the painful opposition that arises in this world because you're out of kilter with the world. You know that. You're on a different road. You're on a different path. You'll begin to experience some of the sanctions of this world for those who choose to honour Christ. We, we, we all have experienced some of these pressures and the things that, you know, come to want us to conform to the expectations of this world. Some experience this in their families. There's a pressure on all the time in their families to deny Christ, actually. Some experience this, many actually experience in workplaces where there's, you know, there's pressure you can form 
to the work culture. That's what you've got to conform to. If you're going to succeed, do well, all those things, you conform to it, fit in. It's felt by every follower of Jesus Christ living in our society where media and other whole set of prominent voices seek to undermine, deride and attack those who hold to what? A biblical view of life. There are people in this church who have faithfully followed Jesus Christ in their homes with unbelieving partners, unbelieving children, some for decade upon decade and born the painful cross of critical comments and judgments that flow all the times, the digs that come. Folks have done that in this very church because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. Decade after decade. There are some people in this church who have faithfully honoured Christ in their workplaces for decades, sitting on the outer, seeing little for their witness, navigating HR pressures and risks and sanctions that go with all of that space and doing life where Jesus is regarded as totally irrelevant. Probably many, many here have experienced that life. Cross-bearing, it's long and it's an arduous journey. If God gives you a long, long life, it's a long, long, arduous journey. But one we are called to walk in and to walk it, this is how important how we walk it, it's in vulnerability and weakness, enduring the rejections, enduring the loneliness and responding always in gentleness and forgiveness. That's the path Jesus calls us to walk. Now, you're beginning to think, well, this road sounds not real good. No, I've been dawning. The potential, you know, loss of approval of those that you value or, or, or that you'll be missing out on a whole lot. Then you need to hear this verse that we read before. Just hear this one again. Listen, listen. It's, it's so powerful, this verse. For whoever wants to save their life will what? Will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, this is Jesus' words, and for the gospel will save it, will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Hear that? In David Lodge's novel, Therapy, the main character's therapist asked him to make a list of all the good things about his life in one column and all the bad things in another. And this is what he put under the good column. Professionally successful, well off, good health, stable marriage, kids successfully launched in adult life, nice house, great car, as many holidays as I want. This sounds like the perfect life here on planet Earth, doesn't it, when you listen to that? Under the bad column, he wrote just one thing. Feel unhappy most of the time. Feel unhappy most of the time. That's the emptiness that so many live with. And the older you grow, and sometimes the more that you collect and accumulate, actually, you become more and more aware of the fact that there's nothing in that. Truly, there's nothing in it. The greater the emptiness becomes. That's always, it will be always the outcome whenever you try to hang on to your own will and reject what God desires for you. And ultimately, you lose eternally everything that you are trying to protect in this life. You lose it, you lose it. On the other hand, hear this. You've encouraged with this this morning, I pray. The person who lets go of their own self-centred desires and accepts God's will for their lives discovers true life. Listen, the Apostle Paul, 
who gave up enormous prestige and respect from those in his religious establishment circles. Like he, he was a gun ho He was gonna make it big in Jewish society. He was, he, was on, he was on a flyer, big time. But this is what he ends up saying. Listen to this, this is what he says. Philippians 3, 7 and 9. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, it's Him and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. All the losses, I want you to hear this church this morning. All the losses of this life, whatever that may be and whatever that may mean for you, in your, in your following of Jesus Christ, they are worth it. They're, they're worth it, folks. Just hear it again. They're worth it. Because the prize is nothing less than life with God now and forever. And we heard such a beautiful testimony this morning from dear Marie that says how worthwhile life is in Jesus Christ, how wonderful life is in Christ. It's worth losing everything to find Him, you know that. And He's looking for all of us. He's looking for you. As we conclude this morning, I wanna return to the title of the series. You got it? Think about this. What would be your reply if Jesus said to you this morning, here in this very place or on, on, on online, in your bedroom or wherever it might be that you're watching living room? If Jesus asked you, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Ask that question. Who do you say I am? Would you be able to reply that I know you as Jesus Christ, God's Son, sent by God the Father to save the world and to save me through the laying down of your life at the cross for my sin? Is that the reply that you give this morning? If you can't, in a way that's... um, you know, honest for you. If you can't actually say that this morning, then, then I pray that you will at least search out. I, I pray that you begin that search of finding out whether the things that have been spoken of about Jesus Christ this morning from the Gospel of Mark are true or not. You go search for that. That's your responsibility this morning. If that's an honest place where you are. You read the Gospel of Mark, you ask God to speak to you and you can join the Alpha Course too for that matter. A Heavenly Father, He wants everyone to understand who Jesus Christ is, His Son and there's weighty evidence for Him and it's worth searching for. For those who could answer but that, that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, Saviour of the world, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you this morning, if you can honestly reply to Jesus these words this morning, that you are the one I'm following, not just to know who Jesus is, but to say to Jesus, I'm following you, Lord Jesus. I'm actually giving my life up for you. I'm counting all things as loss so that I may know you. That is actually the only reply that is, that is worthy of Jesus, our servant King, who gave his very life for you. You know that, that that's, that's the only reply that we can give when we see what he has done. And hear this too this morning. When you say that, when you make that reply, it means that Jesus Christ will not be ashamed of you when he comes to judges, judge all things. Think about that. 
Now this morning, if you can't sincerely answer that way this morning, if, if, if you really can't say, I'm following Jesus that way this morning, then I just want you to invite you uh, this very morning because the Holy Spirit will have been prompting things in your mind even as we've been reflecting on this precious word. What is that's holding you back? What, what is holding you back? What, what fear is it or, or what pain or what sanction or, 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 or what expectation of others is, is stopping you from choosing to take up your cross in the fullness, the willingness to lose all, whatever that may be, this morning Jesus calls you, lay it down. You won't lose, folks, I'm telling you. You'll gain in Jesus Christ because you will know him as he's meant to be known. You'll know his love. You'll know the beautiful things that Marie has spoken of and you will know this for eternity, folks, eternity. The song that we're about to sing, it's a beautiful song actually. It speaks about what Jesus has done, all that he did for us. And I pray this morning your heart will soar in gratitude. He is indeed the Son of God who came to this world and suffered death for you and for me. I pray that you'll sing with much thanksgiving this morning. But I pray too you will be able to answer the answer, the question that Jesus has said this morning. I give, this is because this is the words of this song. I give my whole life to honour this love. Is that your heart this morning? For those online, I pray that you'll be able to sing those words as well. I give my whole life. This is what Jesus longs for every person, folks, because this is the path of life now and forever. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thanks. Thanks so much, Lord, for your word. Where would we be without your Lord? Where would we be without your word, Lord? We'd be lost. Oh God, thanks for your mercy in finding us, Lord. Thanks for your revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done. Oh Jesus, we say thank you for coming. 2,000 years ago to this planet sent by the Father and you came in obedience and you're the one who endured all things for us, Lord. And we say thank you again this morning. The suffering, the rejection, the betrayal, the giving of your life so that we could live, Lord, with you, with the Father, Holy Spirit forever. Oh Lord, we're so, we're so blessed. We're so blessed this morning. We wanna say thank you. For those here this morning, Lord, that may be on the search, will help them to search well, Lord, I would pray. Thank you that you're looking for them. Thank you for your promise that you'll be found if people search for you with a hope, open, humble heart. Help anyone that's on that journey, Lord, this morning, we pray, beginning that journey. For any here this morning, Lord, have been pressured by the world and and have been looking to self-interest in some way, Lord, some protection for themselves. Living under the expectation of others. Set free, Lord, I pray this morning. Set free, set free. Come by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Do your beautiful ministry in our hearts, we ask. We ask, Lord, that you will encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, to be followers of Jesus Christ, who take up our cross daily, daily, Lord, take it up. Because we love you, Lord, and we love our world. And because we wanna follow you, Master, we wanna follow you. Thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord, this morning. Thanks for your work in our heart. Thank you that you are indeed the Lord of all things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're gonna stand, sing this song together. Pray that you'll sing it with thanksgiving this morning from your heart as you allow the Holy Spirit to do His good work. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' heart for each and every one of us. Such a powerful truth to get hold of. If we hang on to our life, if we try to hang on to it, we will actually lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, then you will find it. You will find life. It's so counterintuitive. It's so opposite to the way we think. And yet we know that this is the past experience, the true life, abundant life as Jesus planned. And this week, I know for many of us, for each and every one of us, in fact, there will be calls where Jesus just says to us, just the Holy Spirit says, I want you to lay your life down in this situation, this circumstance, this conversation, whether it be at home or work or wherever you might be, He's just going to call you, lay your life down here that I might bring my life. There's such joy in it when we do this, such joy as we experience and know the presence and the power of God as we live as He has called us to live. So let me pray, ask God to help us individually, corporately as His church as well. This is God's heart for us, corporately as well. So let me pray, ask God to help us with this this week. Lord, such a powerful, powerful truth for us to take hold of, Lord. Help us, I pray, to see things as you see them, not as, we, not as we see them from a human perspective, but to understand, Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit to understand and see things from your perspective, great God. And this powerful truth that I pray you help us where we're trying to hang on to things, Lord, hang on to things in this life, whatever they might be. We're so, so prone to do this, Lord, to try and cling on because we think, Lord, we need them or they're going to fulfill something for us but I pray now in these moments of response Lord you help us just to let go of those things just to just to take our hands off them great God just to give them to you so we just lay our lives down instead Lord just to trust you Lord Jesus to trust you in these situations to know Lord that if we will let go if we will give up for your sake for the sake of the good news Lord you're going to bring blessing you're going to bring life beyond anything we could have thought of or imagined, great God, this is your heart. So help us by your Holy Spirit to do this, Lord. Help us in circumstances and situations we're going to find ourselves in this week, Lord. We don't want to just be hearers, Lord, of your Word. We want to be doers, Lord. We want to spawn this week. But Lord, I just pray you'll help each and every one here. And you'll bless, Lord. You'll Through this, you'll bring so much blessing, Lord. Maybe your situations and circumstances that have been binding people up, Lord. You'll just bring a freedom in this area as we just take our hands off and surrender and give them to You, Lord. Lay our lives down this way. So come, Holy Spirit, help us. Empower us as Your people. Empower us corporately as Your people to live like this as well as Your church, we pray. So that, Lord, we know much unity, much blessing, Lord. Much power, Your power at work through us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer this morning, some of our prayer team will be down the front here. They just love to pray for you. Um, and I just want to remind you as well, if you're new this morning, our welcome lounge, they're going to open up the doors right now at the back there. Just head straight to the lounge there. Some of our welcome team love to greet you, introduce you to some others as well. But God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Look forward to connecting with you again soon. God bless.